are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Cliffhanger which came out in 1993 and was directed by Rennie Harlan. It stars Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow, Janine Turner, Michael Rooker, Caroline Goodall, Rex Lynn, Leon, Craig Fairbrace, Ralph Waite, Max Perlick, Michelle Joyner, and Paul Winfield. The genre would be die hard on a dot, 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 action adventure. <laughs> Is there somebody there? Somebody, please help. Rocky Mountain Rescue, come in. We just got an emergency call. Five climbers just ran off Combe Left. The weather's pouring in and the house gone up alone. I haven't climbed in months. You just lose the feel. Maybe you need the nerve. What the hell's going on? What are your names? Tucker and Walker. Suits, socks, $100 million, the usual stuff. Name is Eric Whalen. We've been tracking him for some time now without much success. Catch! Do it! Beginning to dislike this, Mr. Walker. Good luck! Go! Jesse, run! Cost a fortune to eat this place. If you ever had any doubt about Rennie Harlan's action chops, they were raced barely two minutes into the opening credits of this movie. The camera starts to catch Stallone seemingly realistically working his way out of a high-altitude overhang. He's literally just dangling at one point. And then as the camera pans above him, we see him clawing his way near the top. Then the camera pans over a few more, and we see Michael Rooker and Michelle Joyner seemingly huddled on a spiky peak nearby. And then the camera pans up a little more, and we actually see the propellers of a nearby helicopter hovering just below and away from Stallone, now hanging off the edge of this cliff. As a director, Harlan has always had his flaws, but damn, the guy could always be a true showman. Gabe? Gabe, where are you? I'm just hanging out, Jess. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I don't recognize the face, but the butt does look vaguely familiar. Hey, be careful, or you'll embarrass old Frank. And there are about a dozen more crazy impressive images like this sprinkled throughout this 110-minute die-hard-on-a-mountain actioner with Stallone in the John McClane role this time. Only playing someone more physically intimidating, yet overall much less interesting, if we're being honest. He plays Gabe, a tormented Rocky Mountain Rescue climber, and at this point in the opening credits of the movie, this is him at his most confident, only a few minutes away from a harrowing sequence, which not only would define his character for the rest of the story, but is actually the best sequence in the movie. This opening sequence, which is about to begin, is so good that it sets a high bar of suspense for the rest of the movie, which it never really clears again. And that's really okay, though as of now, 30 years later, after its initial release, Cliffhanger still holds up as a very entertaining action thriller, containing a variety of elements which work, a few that don't, and Stallone at the center of it, delivering a stalwart action performance, which does the job of convincing you that it's really his character up there on those snowy cliffs, often just a few inches away from a horrifying death. As an actor, he does what he's hired to do. 
to be relatable while still impressively physical, as do most of the rest of the cast. They each have relatively simplistic roles to pull off, but they pull them off. Though you could make a strong case that some of them are overqualified. And I'll get to some of those actors in a bit. Fortunately, we do have Peak Lithgow playing Quaylin. This movie's answer to Hans Gruber, and he's having fun chewing the scenery as only he can as an over-the-top villain. His awkward attempt at a British accent, it's actually grown on me a bit, especially when you get to hear him devour lines like this one. You murdering motherfucker. Kill a few people, they call you a murderer. Kill a million, and you're a conqueror. Go figure. Plus we have The Rook. I mean, Michael Rooker, playing embittered mountain ranger Hal in one of his more prominent early roles, playing memorable side characters, kind of straddling that line between conniving heel and sketchy friend in movies like this, JFK, and Days of Thunder. He is also chewing the scenery. Well, more like shouting at it. The dude has always been a great on-screen yeller, so it works. They're gonna kill you! Don't come down! Don't come! Red man! Red! Go! Red! Get the hell out of here! The straightforward plot of rangers versus robbers traversing the mountains in a race to recover tens of millions of dollars in treasury cash, it's really just an excuse to set up various high-wire action sequences. And on that front, this movie genuinely delivers. We have folks sliding down icy mountain peaks, brawling and hanging helicopters, dodging avalanches on steep cliffsides, the works. Stick around! We had a deal! Now we've just got each other! They're not afraid to die! Come on, get him! Get out of there! Remember, shithead! Keep your arms and legs in the vehicle! At all! And this brings me to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Trevor Jones, of Last of the Mohicans fame, did that great score for that movie. He composed the score for this movie, and it's quite effective. It's good muscular orchestral action music, which actually does sound like Jerry Goldsmith at times. Not sure if that was an accident, but it works. And most importantly, it has a very catchy theme at its core. However, I would be remiss if I did not highlight probably the most memorable aspect of this film's legacy, second only to the opening sequence, which I'll get to in a bit. And that's the original two-minute teaser trailer, which was released to theaters in late 1992, roughly six months before this movie's release. I was working in a movie theater at the time, and I became obsessed with this trailer. And I wasn't the only one either. 
As I would often hear on the walkie-talkie, sometimes chatter among the ushers that, you know, this movie was about to start and it has the cliffhanger trailer attached. Remember, this was the days before all these things were readily streamed online. And seriously, even if this was playing on cable, because they did have those movie trailer shows, you could even videotape it, you wanted to see this on the big screen. The trailer is basically two minutes of craftily edited footage of the movie strung together with zero dialogue. Just classical music giving it just a truly epic feel. We're seeing characters climbing, leaping, jumping, embracing, fighting. It's emotional and exciting. Now, the music that we hear is apparently the works of three different composers spliced together. I say apparently because I cannot actually find a definitive account of this. I believe what we hear, at least for the first half of the trailer, is a choral version of Mozart's Requiem. Then we also hear a theme from Wagner at one point. And the trailer climaxes with the tagline, Hang on, flying from the screen to the tune of Karl Orff's Carmina Barana, as we hear a cacophony of horns closing things out. It's just a masterfully constructed two minutes of cinema gold, even though it's technically just a piece of marketing. I would doubt that anyone seeing this trailer on the big screen back in 93 would not be pumped to then check out the movie, as I was. In the pantheon of great movie trailers, it's right up there at the peak, pun intended, along with the teaser trailer for Alien in 79 and the original teaser trailer for Batman 89, released in 1988. I will include a link for the full trailer for Cliffhanger in the description for this episode. Check it out if you haven't. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. I'm honestly not sure what the actor Leon was doing here, as the goon that he plays is just one note nasty. It amazes me in this day and age when a man will keep money for the personal safety himself and his bitch. And the way he's dispatched is kind of ridiculous too. Now, granted, this was a few months before his breakout role as Doris Bannon in Cool Runnings. So I'm sure that this early paycheck of being in a big-budget Stallone vehicle at the time, it paid well. But still, he would go on to be just such a winning presence in both Cool Runnings and Above the Rim over the next couple of years. It just did not feel right to see him in a role like this. And that kind of goes for Caroline Goodall as well. She's playing the main villain's expendable girlfriend. You'll make somebody a fine wife someday. You should see me bake a cake. This was six months before her breakout role, playing Mrs. Schindler in Schindler's List, but what can you do? And finally, I'm always torn a bit about Janine Turner playing Jesse, who is Gabe's former flame and a fellow mountain ranger. 
I mean, this actress, she was white hot at the time. She was the star, or at least the co-star, of Northern Exposure, which was a big hit on network TV. And it was kind of cool seeing her bring her tough but tender persona to the big screen, and even getting in on some of the action. But in this movie, she's also saddled with some of the worst dialogue, unfortunately, too. What has happened to you? Don't you feel anything anymore? Feel anything? Jesse, I came back for you. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Go ahead. Leave. But if you don't do this now, you're going to be stuck on that ledge for the rest of your life. So it was kind of a waste of her talent as well. This brings me to the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Of course, that still leaves that opening sequence as the standout scene. The one which everyone remembers the most 30 years later. Sarah, that's great. You're starting to look like a pro. Keep going. That's it. Nice and easy. Hey, Al, we're going to be out of a job soon. All right, a little more, Sarah. That's it. That's it. One, two. Sarah? Oh, God! Sarah! No! Sarah! Sarah, hold on! Sarah! Yes! Oh, please, I'm gonna fall! No, you're not! You're okay, you're gonna be okay! Can you reach the main line? No, I can't! Don't swing! That's slipping! Gabe, can you keep the line steady? That clip's not gonna hold! Yes, there is some obvious green screen, and the overall circumstances setting it up are a bit contrived. I mean, if Hal's girlfriend is such a novice, how the hell did they get up to such a high-pronounced tower or peak? But wow. Sarah, I'm here, I'm here. I don't want to die! Sarah! Reach up and grab him! Reach up! Sarah, reach Come up! Come on, honey! Use your other hand! Reach up! Reach up now! Sarah, reach up! Hold on, hold on! I got you! I got you! I got you! I can't hold You're gonna be alright! You're gonna be alright! You're not gonna die! Don't you lose her game! Reach up! You can do it, sir. Hold her, Gabe. Hold her. Gabe, please don't let me fall. Please. Please, I don't want to die. You're not going to die. Sarah, I got you. Just reach up. It is white knuckle suspense that just grabs you by the throat for six minutes and does not let go. Until she lets go, of course. (laughs) That's my villainous laugh. Like it? Very effective stuff to the clear-cut way it's shot, including close-ups of those sweaty hands, Stallone's sweaty hands, to the impressive usage of the Alps as a backdrop, to the actors and the stuntmen. I mean, Michelle Joyner does a sublime job of portraying hardcore terror. And even more, Sly sells it with that anguished expression on his face. By the time this sequence ends, you have forgotten about the green screen, and you're not only in awe of what Harlan has pulled off, but you're reminded once again that when he needs to be, Stallone can be a genuinely great actor. Just an amazing sequence. Which brings me to the MVP, the final category. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Now, as much as this is a full-on Sylvester Stallone action vehicle, and one of his better ones, no doubt, this is still a director's movie at the end of the day. Honestly, when it came to directing high-octane, bloody 90s action, they were just few better. Three years before this, Harlan actually directed the first actual Die Hard sequel, Die Hard 2. And while very few would consider that film to be on par with its classic original, he did step things up action-wise. I mean, John McClane might not have been quite as witty nor as relatable in that sequel, but wow, the action was excellent. 
fluid shots, minimal cutting, and often panning the camera in directions or from vantage points that we were not used to seeing on screen. And he brings that talent here as well. Roughly 40 minutes into this movie, we have a sequence where Gabe has now been forced to climb up the side of a cliff to retrieve one of the cases of money while everyone else stays back on a ledge watching him from below. Inexplicably, the bad guys are urged to start shooting Gabe once they know that he's found the bag. And what results is an avalanche. But we have never seen an avalanche shot like this. This avalanche features a great panning shot following the camera upwards from the cliff starting the point of view of two bad guys shooting grenade launchers up at Gabe all the way up to Gabe himself as he's dodging both gunfire and falling snow. Now, even though you can question the logic of our villains inadvertently starting an avalanche, which will fall down to kill at least two of them because, you know, gravity, it's still an inventive way for Harlan and DP Alex Thompson to give us a sense of the frightening altitudes that these characters are dealing with. And even with some CGI to enhance these shots, it still feels very tangible. For bringing his action chops to new heights, get it? Rennie Harlan is the MVP. I said, if I'm going to do this film, I want to go on top of those 12,000-foot uh, 12, peaks. I want to take the crew there, the actors, really put them in front of the camera, hang them over the edge, and, uh, and, and put the audience in that position, make the audience feel that they are there too. Because I think our audience is very sophisticated nowadays. You can't just show a wide shot of a stunt guy somewhere and then a safe little close-up of the actor. You, you really have to deliver. You have to entertain the audience. You have to surprise them. And when you take stars of, of Stallone's magnitude and, and you put him there and the audience can see that it's him climbing the mountain. He has no wires on. He's 5,000 feet off the ground. You know, that's show business. How did you ever get that past the insurance companies? I think I didn't mention that detail to them. (laughs) (laughs) My rating for Cliffhanger would be three and a half stars out of five. (laughs) Among the pantheon of 90s diehard clones, Cliffhanger honestly does not measure up to the likes of Speed or even Under Siege, but it sure has its moments. And I would definitely place it up there in the second tier of diehard clones, right alongside Passenger 57 and Sudden Death. This is the most powerful plastic explosive in the world. And if you're looking to watch Cliffhanger, it is currently streaming on Netflix. And that ends another elevated review. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast. And to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Cinema.